with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no heart! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek layer, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, Derek, Derek WC here. Just a little preamble before we get into the meat of the episode, the nitty gritty of the podcast, which is going to be my dad and myself basically kind of reminiscing about movies and other pop culture paraphernalia. This was kind of inspired by the Film and Water podcast, episode 101, titled Tales from the Movie Theater. And I kind of really got into listening to that podcast because it jogged a lot of fond memories for me. And Rob Kelly and his co-host, David Ace Gutierrez, were basically talking about the good and bad of seeing movies as they were meant to be seen in the movie theaters. And I remember I was kind of hard-pressed to think of the very first movie I ever saw in the theaters, but the infamous story is that the very last movie my mother saw before she gave birth to me was Star Wars. So it's kind of noted in the family that the reason why I was so into Star Wars was because I was kind of a Star Wars baby, as you will. It was kind of, you know, force-fed to me in the womb, so that would always explain why I was so into Star Wars. But I did get to thinking about it, and I was kind of like, well, maybe, you know, because I, I had some vague memories of seeing Star Wars possibly in San Jose or Sunnyvale or somewhere, so it got me to thinking, maybe I should just ask my dad if he remembers taking me to see Star Wars. And so that basically led to me asking my dad if he wanted to make an appearance on the show, and he agreed, and sometime later in 2017, when you know, a little shortly after that Film & Water podcast aired, there was a, a blackout out here, and since we didn't have anything better to do, since there wasn't any electricity, I kind of reminded my dad of, hey, remember when I said to come on the show and, and do that kind of episode and talk about movies and things like that? Like, would you still be up for that? And he was like, sure, we ain't got anything better to do. So he came on, and I guess without further ado, I, I guess it's only fair, I'll go ahead and play a trailer for the Film & Water podcast, because that's kind of what inspired this. And then on the other side of that, we'll actually be back with myself and my father, and we'll be talking some, some movie-type stuff and some pop culture paraphernalia, comics, and all that kind of stuff. So stay tuned. The Film & Water podcast, a weekly show about movies old and new. Hosted by obsessive movie nerd Rob Kelly and a rotating series of special guests. From sci-fi to horror, dramas to family films, comedies to adventure epics, we watch it all. The Film & Water podcast is part of the Fire & Water family of podcasts. Available weekly at fireandwaterpodcast.blogspot.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The reason why I 
reason why I wanted to do this because they some of the friends that I met at the uh, convention they did this one podcast where they were talking about like do you you know like what's the first movie you ever remember seeing and stuff like mm-hmm. that and it like got me thinking about that for myself but like what I was going to do was I was going to ask you what the first movie you remember seeing is, if you can remember whatever it is. But then also I'm kind of curious. I have my perspective on like what some of the movies I remember are and some of the stories that like moms told me about like movies I've been to. I'm curious, like what your first memory of the first movie you took me to see was too. You know what I mean? Like, like if, if you can remember things like that, like maybe what the first movie you remember seeing, if you can think Jeez. of it. We took you when you was. I know well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like I, I three remember. Three months old. The movies. See, because for me though, it's like okay, I'm thinking like you know the end of 1977, right? So the story I always heard was the last movie mom saw before she had me was Star Wars, and that was supposed to explain you know, why I was such a Star Wars kid, right? Because I saw it in the womb, right? But that doesn't that doesn't officially count, though, right? So, like, the, the only other story I remember mm-hmm. being told by mom was because she always told me, and, and you usually agree with this, like, I was not the type of kid that would, like, cry or make oh, a no, big scene at movies, no. right? And, and, and my, you know, mom said the only time I ever was upset at a movie was the black hole and you know when i mentioned this idea to you to record this i mentioned that too because the only thing i could figure out is like and i know you don't even remember the movie at all and maybe she took me to see it and you were at work or something like that or whatever like all i remember was there's a sequence where like the the bad guys ship like all the people like the what do you call them like attendees like everybody you know in the operations center they're all faceless. They like they have no nose, they have no eyes. It's just like a oh, silver mask and everything. And and the only thing I could think of between having conversations with my mom and and that, you know, like with mom and everything, I I thought, well, maybe I was freaked out because they didn't have any like sense features, you know, like they they had no eyes and ears and noses and stuff and that just no mouths and that freaked me out maybe because I I, mm. I couldn't have been because seventy seven. I was born October, and right. mom probably saw Star Wars in March of 77. I think Black Hole is like 79, but I don't know what, what you know, date or month or anything. And for me, like, my memories are, like, not very strong for that kind of stuff. For me, it's like, I think of movies like when I was, like, six. Like, I remember mm-hmm. you taking me, you and mom taking me to see, like, Wrath of Khan and me, like, crying because Mr. Spock died and you guys going, oh, it's okay, dude, like, He'll be back in the next movie and shit like that, you know, like, or, or or things like aliens and stuff. Like I remember that those kind of things. But I'm curious if you have any memories of things because like I'm I'm trying to remember like like how I would have seen Star Wars, like really seen it, not the womb seen it. Because I'm thinking like probably like San Jose or something. Like I have this memory of like the, the like didn't they have like an auditorium like there like maybe or Sunnyvale or something like I'm, I'm remembering like some kind of theater that you guys would bring me to and to me it seemed like it was like really far away but I'm guessing it was like Milpitas to Sunnyvale or something like oh we used to go um to Santa Clara a lot maybe that's what it was well we went to San Jose but those were usually the off-the-wall movies that don't get yeah. 
you know, wide release, wide right? release, yeah, because you know, movie addicts. Yeah, my my problem is trying to recall your first movie with us is. Well, what about pretty, you? Like, pretty much impossible. I can tell you the first movie I saw. Yeah. What was the first movie the one you I saw? Remember, you, know, you remember? Yeah. Is I was five years old and I was going to St. Anne's Academy, which was a Jesuit all boys academy. I had a brother who was our teacher. I I really loved that school. It was the first grade, and they started us at five, as opposed to like Texas was seven and some areas at six, but we were five. I was five and I was in this classroom. So anyway, one day they announced it's it's movie day or something, yeah. you know. And we we all looked at each other, movie day? What's movie day? <laughs> you know, we just because you gotta rec- remember, we went to movies, but at five years old, we weren't taken to the movies too often, you know by our parents or anything like that. And the old man got a TV. So we had one of those little round TVs, tubes, you know, the really old black and white first TVs out with a round scope kind of uh, screen with vacuum tubes and all that. We'll be ready in a couple of minutes, Mr. Scott. Okay. They'll be right there. Well. Hello. This is a very pleasant surprise. I like it. It's a new experience to talk direct to an audience, and uh, if I have the time, I want to tell you about another new experience. We're just finishing my new picture, Stranger Wore a Gun. It's in 3D. I uh, talked it over with my partner and producer, Harry Joe Brown. Naturally, we didn't want to be left at the post in this great new technical race in the picture industry, so we decided to go all out. 3D. Stereophonic sound and Technicolor. Now that's a mouthful. And it was an armful to do, but exciting. But I'm sure you'll find the finished product exciting too. You shall see a strong, interesting cast, an adventure story with even more action than my past pictures. Scenery such as you've never seen before. With the background of the beautiful and thrilling snow-covered high Sierras. And lest we forget, the beautiful Claire Trevor plays a most important role. And that lady's 3D in any language. Now, uh, I want to tell you something about the story. You see, I start out as one of Quantrill's Raiders in the Civil War. Then you find me on the Mississippi gambling boats. Then I ride into the capital of Arizona, Prescott. A town that was so bad, they had to move the capital to Phoenix. Then I... Uh... Still waiting, Mr. Scott. Sorry, I guess you just have to see the picture yourself. And remember, every scene... And every bit of action really comes to life in 3D, stereophonic sound, and Technicolor. Hmm. Seems that I've said all that before, haven't I? Well, so long. But anyway, the movie itself was with Randolph Scott, and he was the good guy, wore a white hat, you know, a marshal or something. But the thing that I recall was is they were robbing a stagecoach and they had horses and, and stagecoach and guns and all this stuff man and like I was mesmerized I was like I jumped into that and I became Randolph Scott you know I just totally immersed myself it was the first time I ever immersed myself into something 
because the screen was so big and it wasn't like trying to get something on a little round. So did they, because you said it was a movie though, like was it? It was, was an it, auditorium. It was an auditorium, so they had it like a projector yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Projector and a big, big screen, all nine yards. I mean, it was, this was 19, it was five, so it was 1951. I mean, I, I remember they did stuff like that at our school occasionally, you know, quote unquote movie day. But it was like, you know, they, they took us to like the Holly Center. And but it, it affected me big time because after that, I was a movie fanatic. And just to show you the example was, is we lived on East 91st Street in Manhattan on the east side. And the movies were on the west side on 42nd Street. That's where all the movies in Manhattan were. That's... uh. 50 something blocks, 49 to 50 blocks away, right? Yeah. That's a long ways. <laughs> but we used to either get up, we used to get on a bus, or if we didn't have enough money, because on Saturdays, a kid could go to the movies at, you could get in, I think, around 8.30 or 9 in the morning. And it would last all day until like three or four in the afternoon because they kick you out around three or four so that they can make way for the night people which was the adults but they showed newsreels and you know warner brothers cartoons and you know at that point were they were they still playing like like old movie serials yeah they were playing old movie serials they were playing, like, I think the Three Stooges were popular then. They were playing all the old Buster Crab like cereals. Flash Gordon. Flash Dan. Gordon cereals. All that kind of stuff. I mean, all the cereals that you could imagine were on the movies. And that's where we got hooked on with cereals, because we went every week to see the right, because they, they, they said cereal, what, right? what happens next. But then they'd have a full-length motion picture, too. Maybe sometimes a double. They called it the double feature, where they'd have a Western and maybe a space show or something. You know, you never knew what, what it was going to be. But I think it was 15 cents to a quarter. We could go all day long. And in those days, a bag of popcorn, which was huge, was only three cents or a nickel. It was cheap. And so... We would try to get as much money as we could during the week. And our parents loved it because we'd be gone all day Saturday. So then they could have their time alone, right? So me and Peter used to take off. And if we didn't have any money, we'd try to figure out how to get, how to, how to either get into the subway for free. Like, you know, when nobody was looking, open up the exit doors and run in. Or, uh, we were street kids, so we tried all kinds of different ways to save money. We went to the movies every Saturday. Every Saturday without fail. And that's, you know, we loved the movies, and there was always something good going on. And, uh, you know, we were hooked, of course, on the serials. I can't remember all of them or what they were, but, Probably if I was to look back on something, kind of do you, trigger. Uh, do you do you remember? Uh, I'll just start naming off stuff that 
like I know appeals to me, but like the, if you remember seeing it in the theater, but like do you do you, you might not know the names, but do you remember the old Superman cartoons? They used to call them. They're called like Fleischer and and famous because oh, yeah, those yeah, are the yeah, ones yeah. that produced. I was hooked on Superman. I was hooked on Superman and Superboy, but Superboy more than Superman. Yeah, yeah. You but told I, me that. Yeah. I, I but I read all the comics. I had them all. Yeah. I mean, if I could, you know afford to get them at the time it depended on what the priority was but right. if i could or read somebody else's yeah yeah i was i was hooked on that i wasn't too much on the batman thing i was more of a superboy superman yeah. supergirl i had a crush on supergirl so yeah, yeah. but she was a pretty blonde so yeah, yeah. that was my, yeah. my thing anyway we had all of that stuff i mean they had this we used to look forward to the, the superboy um you know movies or whatever you want to call them you yeah. know, because that was really cool to see him fly and all yeah. that stuff i mean it, it was what about you know you, you have your imagination from comic books right right and they goes whoosh and you get the general idea but when you see it in a visual because you got to remember something visual cinematic movies moving pictures with sound was new yeah TV was brand new. I mean, they had just converted. I mean, they, you know, they had converted before I was born. The war kind of stifled it a little bit, but they had not much. They had all of those war movies that they put out, right, during the war. So they got pretty proficient at sound moving pictures. But by the 1940s, you know, 46 was when the war ended. I was born in 46. Right, I, I guess. It ended, World War II ended in 45. By 46, you know, and then five years later, it's 51. The 50s was, man, movies were like, I'll tell you the one movie that probably impressed me the most from the 50s, and I think it was the 50s, 50s or early 60s, I can't remember, but it was Psycho. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway and as you see perfectly harmless looking when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime this motel also has as an adjunct an old house which is, if I may say so, a little more sinister looking, less innocent than the motel itself. And in this house, the most dire, horrible events took place. I think we can go inside because the place is up for sale, although I don't know who's gonna buy it now. In that window on the second floor, the single one in front, that's where the woman was first seen. Let's go inside. Mm. With, uh, that was that was, I think, late sixties. Late sixties. Yeah, because because it was in black and white, but by yeah, then yeah, most yeah. people were like, watching stuff in color. Yeah, it was. Yeah, maybe it was because I was already probably ten or so. I was I was selling newspapers on the street corner and stuff, so I always had money. So we went to see 
many people went to see Psycho. And that scene in the shower just scared the shit out of us. The bathroom. Well, they cleaned all this up now. Big difference. You should have seen the blood. The whole, the whole place was, well, it's, it's too horrible to describe. Dreadful. And I'll tell you, there's a very important clue was found here. Down there. Well, the murderer, you see, crept in here. Very slowly, of course, the shower was on, there was no sound. And, uh... It's a, it's, it's still a good It's movie. still a classic. You gotta remember, in those days, that was... Did I, did I ever tell you... I, this is funny, this might be a dovetail, but... Did I ever tell you the story? You, you know how they remade Psycho, and it's like in color, and Gus Van Sant. I don't know if you ever saw it or not, but they, they basically, they, yeah, I think I saw it. they remade it, and it was like a shot-for-shot shot remake yeah. of, of the original, but basically with all new actors and all that other yeah. kind of stuff and everything. But the, the thing that always cracked me up was, this was when I was in L.A. and everything, so we were on Third Street Promenade. And we went and saw it, like, you know, some opening Friday. Because that's what we always used to do back then was we'd see every, you know. I It's funny, like, now I don't see movies, new movies at all, because I think they're all kind of homogenized crap. But, like, on, on when, when you know, we were really into it, you know, when I was going to school at Loyola back then, and it was, like, from, say, like, from, like, 95 to, like, 99, like, everything that came out that Friday, we would all go and watch it at some point. I don't remember who I was with, but what I have a distinct memory of is Dustin Hoffman was there. Mm-hmm. You know, not as like he wasn't in the movie or anything. He was just there to see it, you yeah. know. And 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 like you know, for people that noticed, you know, I was kind of mellow about it, but it was like you were thinking, Dustin Hoffman in the freaking movie theater with us. Like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. And and but what I noticed was as I'm watching the movie, kind of go, oh man, this is just not. You know, it, it it didn't hold a candle to the original, yeah. obviously. You know, and and it was it was this weird experiment that I think kind of failed. But like the the thing that I thought was the most abject and failure was I turn over in the middle of the the screening and Dustin Hoffman's like fucking asleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's fucking out like a fucking light. Yeah. And that that was my my distinct memory of that. Not only am I not into this movie and not really feeling it, or like, is but, it. but he is definitely not into it. You yeah. know? So that was one of those things that cracked me up and everything. The computer, an extension of the human intellect. The NCOM 511, center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. Programmed by Master Control, to survive by all means. Soon, the ultimate tool will become the ultimate enemy. I still do not understand why you want to break into the system. Because, man, somewhere in one of these 
Memories is the evidence. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. Kevin Flynn, computer genius. Taken prisoner and held captive within the digital world of the computer itself. Trapped inside an electronic arena where love and escape do not compute. like are strong for things like i said like maybe starting from when i was six you know like i remember things like tron and wrath of khan and, and all that kind of stuff like you guys taking me to see stuff like that and then and then seeing you know like i remember you know mom took me to the dark crystal on a school day but we you know played hooky and called in sick and things like that like i have i have memories of movies like like when i was looking at movies like because I, I there was this thing on facebook where it's like oh name your favorite movie for each like year that you were alive, basically, you know, and it's like, so I went through that list and kind of went from, you know, 77 to now, you know, and picked out like a movie. And and what I noticed was from like, I, I think especially like 1982 was like super hard because I think, I think that was the year Blade Runner came out. So I ended up picking that, but it was like Star Trek two. And, you know, like, like I have these memories and I probably talked about it on the podcast before, but like my distinct memory is when you, I remember when Return of the Jedi was coming out and I remember mom going, don't get your hopes up. We might not be able to get tickets for opening night. And I was, you know, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really listen to that, you know? And so, so I'm pretty sure you were the one who went out and got the tickets for it. Cause, cause eventually like later that day, cause it was like, I remember going to school and her going, don't get your hopes up. And then by the end of the day, we were going to watch Return of the Jedi where that theater is. That's like, it does it's not a theater anymore you know that that thing by the olive garden that they turned into like a 24-hour fitness oh, or whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah, that yeah. was it was that theater yeah. that that fremont theater yeah and like the, you know the other thing i remember about it distinctly was and I, I i know i've told this story on the podcast before but i remember they had all these like actors dressed up like most of the characters like it, it i think it got to the point where the opening night, it was like they had a lady dressed up as Leia, they had a guy dressed up as Han, they had somebody dressed up as Chewbacca and Darth Vader and maybe a stormtrooper or something. And to me, I mean, I don't know, maybe they looked like crap, but to me at the time, it looked like holy crap that like there's 
they jumped off the screen and it looked real to me. And like the thing about the guy who was doing the Han Solo thing, he walked up to every single kid and was like, you know, hey kid, like that thing. And all of us thought, oh, we're Luke Skywalker. We're, yeah, we're, we're Luke Skywalker because he called me kid. You know, and he, did, I'm sure he did that to every freaking kid in the line. But at the time, like that's what I remember. And then like to me, the, the, the punchline of it, which I told before was like that, you know, maybe a couple weeks after that, when people were still going to the theaters to watch Return of the Jedi, eventually it got to the point where it was just lonely Darth Vader, like, hovering around the the movie theater aisles with popcorn or whatever. You know, I I remember it went from, like, this full cast of characters down to, oh, only Darth Vader was was hanging out at the movie theater and that was it. Like, I I have memories of stuff like that, but I don't know if you... I don't know if that triggers anything or if you remember anything. Well, I think I remember going, but I don't... You know, it sort of triggers a memory of... Going in and seeing that, yeah. You know, but what about like some of your favorite movies? Like, do you remember? Like, did you see Godfather in New York or Godfather Two? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you a story about that. I had been home from the army, I guess Vietnam for a couple, couple of years. Not very many, maybe. I don't even think. I'm not. I don't remember if we were. What year was was the Godfather? I think it was seventy two. Seventy two. Okay. Since we're in a blackout and have yeah, no internet, I don't know. Seventy two. Well, then uh, we were married, and it was coming. It was uh, had an opening, grand opening night yeah. in Manhattan. Okay. And you know, in those days, you couldn't buy tickets in advance. You, you I mean. You you could buy them in advance if you went to the window and you buy them. Right, right. And then you get on the friggin' line, right? Yeah, yeah. So we get down there, and there's a line going down the block. I mean, jeez, it was like hundreds of people, right? So I go up there, and I says, uh, uh, I need two tickets. So she says, okay. She sells me two tickets. So they're still selling tickets. I got them, right? right? So she says, now what, so your mother says, now what are we going to do? Look at this line. I don't want to stand on that, mother. You know, all this stuff. So I says, don't worry about it. So we go across the street. And it's like on the corner. And we're standing on the corner with direct, straight access to the doors as they open. But we're across the street. And there's this huge line of people. So I says, okay, just stand here. And I says, I'm going to show you. How we cut lines in the army. And so I says, but you gotta stand on my left side. You can't look at anybody in the face. Don't look at anybody in the eyes. Just keep walking with me straight. And I says, hold on to my arm and just keep walking with me straight. So she says, okay. So they open up the doors. I says, now we start to make a beeline. I waited for the perfect time where people were not still concentrating on the door opening or bobbing the head. All they were concentrating on was getting in fast. So I waited for that ultimate time, and then I rushed it. And I swooped in, and nobody said shit to me, and we kept on going. They had the tickets, got in there, picked out prime seats, and we're sitting there. I says, how's that, baby? And she says, yay! <laughs> and so we're sitting there, and we're watching a movie. I was really, I was, you know, pretty much impressed with it because, you know, I don't know anybody who didn't like The Godfather, especially New York. Yeah, right? yeah. 
Now, I'm not a real New Yorker like a New Yorker, New York, even though I was born there, lived there as a child, and then went, but I went away for, what, 10 years, and then came back for high school, so, yeah, I did my high school in New York, but I, I'm not, you know, not a real New Yorker, and so, but for, but even I was impressed with it, you know, and then the Italian thing, it was catching on. People were, you know, that that kind of made Italians feel good about themselves, and you know, yeah. they were already pretty with the Greenwich Village, and they had, you know, the feast and all these things. So they were, and the mob. We all knew what the mob was, but this brought the mob to, you know, uh, more glamorous, if you will. <laughs> There was a land of cavaliers and cotton fields called the Old South. Here, in this pretty world, gallantry took its last bow. Here was the last ever to be seen of knights and their ladies fair, of master and slave. Look for it only in books. For it is no more than a dream remembered. A civilization gone with the wind. Now, the most memorable of all motion pictures returns to the screen. The American Civil War provides the vast background for the immortal love story of Brett Butler and Scarlett O'Hara in the David O. Selznick production of Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. Clark Gable as Rhett Butler. I'm saying very plainly that the Yankees are better equipped than we. They've got factories, shipyards, coal mines, and a fleet to bottle up our harbors and starve us to death. All we've got is cotton and slaves and arrogance. Vivian Lee. As Scarlett O'Hara. Oh, I have you. I've always loved you. I've never loved anyone else. I only married Charles just to hurt you. Ashley, tell me you love me. Leslie Howard as Ashley Wilkes. All right, I'll say it. I love your courage and your stubbornness. I love them so much that a moment ago I could have forgotten the best wife a man ever had. But Scarlett, I'm not going to forget her. Olivia de Havilland as Melanie Hamilton. No war can come into our world, Ashley. Whatever comes, I'll love you just as I do now. Until I die. The most honored, the most acclaimed, the most beloved motion picture of our time, Gone with the Wind. You go. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Well, again, I'll tell you one movie that is probably not as early as you'd like to hear about, but that totally captured me, and that was when... I was doing R&R &R from Vietnam in Australia. We were there for uh, the first day. We went and bought clothes and stuff and, and ate stuff because we 
didn't have that much time. And then we had a few beers and we went to bed. And my buddy, T-Ball, he had his own room and I had my own room. So we signed up to go on this cruise that was supposed to have a bunch of chicks on it. The next day we got up and we didn't have anything planned for the afternoon. So I says, well, rather than sit around here, I says, why don't we go to a movie? So he says, he says yeah, I'd go, I'd go to a movie. So I says, okay. So he says, where do we go? And I says, well, looks like they have this Civil War movie, Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. And I says, and it's brand new. And it's here. I mean, I've never seen it. You ever seen it? He says, no, of course not. It's brand new. So we went to see Gone with the Wind. And even though we had been, we're, we're, we're combat, you know, veterans and, and still fighting the war. And it was a war picture about the Civil War. It was so realistic at times and it was so captivating that I totally immersed myself in that movie. I thought it was one of the best movies ever made at the time, you know. So um, I remember I, I, at one point, during the VHS stuff, I remember I bought Mom a copy of that because it was a double, you know, a yeah. double tape set and everything. And I remember that was playing at some point over it. I'm pretty sure it was like near the Stanford Mall. Like I remember that too. Mm, yeah, like, but know. I saw it in Sydney, Australia, in 1968. Wow. So that that was why it was pretty memorable to me, and I was totally, you know. I thought to myself, wow, what a great movie. Of course, I've watched it many times. I was going to watch it the other night recently, but I started thinking about it and remember every scene. And mm. I thought to myself, wow, I know it so well. Sometimes I got to, it's, you know, I talk myself out of it because it's, you know, but then sometimes I surprise myself because I'll think that way and then put on a movie like that. And then, geez, I forgot this. Yeah. Got that. Got this. But that was that was one that I super remembered. I mean, because I remember The Godfather because we broke the line. Yeah. But I remember The Godfather too. And we went to see Godfather too, but I think that was here. Oh, okay. I think I don't know what year was that done. Uh, I, I'm I'm guessing it was since I don't have the information in front of me. I'm guessing it was probably a couple of years later. Were, were well, you guys then we didn't come to California until it was '78. So yeah, because I was I was a couple years yeah, old. Yeah, you, you by were then. born already, and I, you were already. I, two. I think I think Godfather because seventy eight, seventy nine. You you yeah. must have seen it before. Probably then, saw it in New York. In New York, because yeah. the only Godfather movie I re- like I have memories of is when we all went to see Godfather three, and that was at that same theater, the one that's uh, yeah that's a uh, gym now or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I remember. Well, that. that's the only movie. we used to go to that movie all the time. Well, but you know what's funny now is they make these movies that are like three and four hours long with no intermission. Yeah, and like yeah. and like that was one of those things where I knew that the, the two movies I remember Godfather three and I think like Gandhi or something. I remember seeing those with you guys and going, Jesus, this is long. And then and then it's like, oh wait, you mean we can leave and come back? Like it was like that didn't happen very often. Most yeah. times the movie was ninety minutes, two hours, and yeah. then you saw it and you left or whatever. But in that case, I was just like, this is what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like you're like, it's cool. You can go get something to eat. You can go to the bathroom, like whatever. And I went, oh, this is this is really weird. You know? Well, they used to have intermissions all the time in movies because when they showed. Double features and serials and news 
Yeah, you know, yeah, real, yeah. People need to I mean, take a break. They right? they'd stop it and say, okay, it's intermission time. Sometimes they have two or three intermissions. the world over. In How the West Was Won, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Cinerama have brought together the biggest and most distinguished all-star cast in entertainment history, characterizing the men and women who conquered the wilderness, finding a new life in this immense human saga of the American West. James Stewart is the mountain man. Henry Fonda is the plainsman. Adventurers such as these first explored the land. Then came the settlers who traveled the waterways, like the Prescott family, Carl Malden and Agnes Moorhead, and their daughters, Carol Baker and Debbie Reynolds, who left the frontier for a gayer life. There were the good and the bad, river pirates like Walter Brennan, notorious desperados like Charlie Gant, portrayed by Eli Wallach, and Lee J. Cobb as the dauntless U.S. Marshal who tracked him down. There were the gamblers and the entertainers, Gregory Peck is Cleve Van Valen, lucky in cards and in love. There was Robert Preston as the wagon master who loved in vain. And Thelma Ritter, a friend in need. Here too were the North, Andy Devine. And the South, Russ Tamblin. And the famous of history, John Wayne as General William Tecumseh Sherman. Henry Morgan as General Ulysses S. Grant. And Raymond Massey as Abraham Lincoln. George Pappard is Zeb Rawlings, who brought the law to the West. And Carolyn Jones portrays Julie Rawlings, whose courage matched that of her fighting husband. And there were the men who brought the railroad, like Mike King, portrayed by Richard Widmark. West was one startles your eyes with a huge and colorful panorama of the glorious frontier with all its reckless adventure and its awesome violence. With its spirited romance, its lusty Old West fun, and its breathtaking action spectacle, the most fabulous film ever conceived from any standpoint. How the West was won is another one of those because I went to see that in Manhattan. But that was the first movie they ever made with three screens. Oh, okay. And they, I don't remember what they called it, but... Was it Panorama? Panorama. No. They called it something else. But anyway, they had a screen in the middle, screen on each side, mm -hmm. and it was three different cameras synced, showing it at the same time. And it was something new. It was before CinemaScope, I guess. Yeah. Or whatever, but I remember... And I mean, it might even have been in 3D, I don't recall, but I remember it was pretty awesome, we thought. You know, it was a little hard to follow because the screen was so big and even sitting in the back, it seemed like you were really up close and we weren't really used to that. But I fell in love with Debbie Reynolds all over again in that movie. She was great. But uh, I loved that movie too. That was a great western. And um, I was really hooked on Westerns and war movies most. I mean, because that's how we were brought up, Westerns and war movies. We went to see, like, Psycho and some, uh, you know, another good one was Gregory Peck and Kill a Mockingbird. That was one that went. And 
kind of the fact that it was for its time, it was against being prejudiced, was a remarkable, you know, great book, right? But remarkable movie for its time. To show you how when people try to portray people of that time era as being, you know, racist and bigoted, that movie was extremely popular. Yeah. And people went because they enjoyed the message and that they believed that that was the way to be. So they can say it was before its time, but actually it wasn't, you know, from my perspective, because a lot of people went to see it and loved the whole movie and loved the way Atticus acted and, and the whole thing. That was another one that I remember. But some of the war movies, I mean, they had so many good ones in those days, you know, like John Wayne movies, all of all of John Wayne, Robert Mitchell movies. Yeah. Thunder Road was a great one. Did you, brought, you, you know, speaking of Robert Mitchum, like you, you turned me on to, to Heaven Knows Mr. Yeah, Allison, right? yeah. Like, did you see that? In the yeah, theater? yeah, yeah, I saw that in the theater. Oh yeah, first time. I even saw Thunder Road in the theater. Okay. I mean, I saw all these movies in the theater before television. Yeah. Because we went all the time as kids. I mean, if there was a movie, even in Texas, if there was a new movie out and we wanted to see it somehow, you know, and then of course, who remembers the boys club? Sometimes the boys club, we could get free passes to the movies too. Mm -hmm. Well, we could go down to Wichita Falls, uh, down to, uh, I think it was called First Street, and they had two or three movie houses. And on Saturdays, they had the same kind of deal. There were so many. I mean, God, you know me, I'm a movie freak, yeah. right? So I, I, it's hard for me because I, I, I've seen so many that I regurgitate them unless something, you know, like triggers, triggers, triggers a, a memory, memory of like a place or a story, story or something, or something, like something that. Yeah, yeah. That, that comes to mind. But even in Colorado, when we lived in Denver, we took this long, there was no buses or trains. I mean, and for kids, without transportation, we had to walk, I mean, miles to get to this movie house. But we went, we lived there about six months or a year. Betty Carroll was seeing some doctor there for her blood condition. Her parents were always at the hospital with her, so we always went to the movies as much as we could. And because they felt bad, they'd give us a dollar or whatever. And in those days, a buck, you know. That was a big deal. You could, you could get food and go to the movies all day long on a buck, two guys, you know, no problem. And then we could, we all, in those days, you could also return bottles for, you could get a nickel for a big bottle of Coke or two cents for a small bottle. So you'd go collect all those. And yeah, so we'd go, go around collecting bottles from the trash or neighbors would steal the bottles off their porch, whatever. <laughs> we'd go trade them in. For, for money, right? Yeah. And we get the deposit, they called it. Yeah. And we get the deposit money, and then we go to the movies. And then, of course, Pete and I, we sold everything from cards door to door to donuts. The first job I ever got was selling donuts door to door. That was a great, great deal. On Saturdays, they could call Spudniks. Mm. We could sell those for get six for 35 cents or something ridiculous. This is the story of Dracula, 
a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. Oh, you must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenburg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. What about Christopher Lee? I know you like him. Oh, yeah, Dracula. we saw all the Frankenstein stuff, and mm -hmm. all of Boris Karloff, mm -hmm. Christopher Lee, Bela Lugosi. Mm -hmm. We saw all of that stuff. Of course, Robert Gossi was like, yeah, man. He was, he was cool. And Boris Karloff, of course, is Frankenstein was out, outrageous, you know. Bella Gossi was great. I love that guy. I love to dream to blow. And of course, Christopher Lee was, was the scariest Dracula, yeah. I think, of all. I mean, Bella Gossi had a, a way about him, but Christopher Lee was just damn right scary. <laughs> Do you, do, I mean, do you have, like, does that trigger any memories? Like, did you see those in New York? Did you see those somewhere else? Like, were you in? Probably we saw them in, in New York. What was, like, I, I'm kind of always interested in that because, like, I, you know, in, in our circles, it's like, okay, well, we focus on the production company. So the, the, all those Christopher Lee movies, you know, the, the, the horror, Dracula, you know, whatever it was, like Curse of Frankenstein, like all that kind of stuff, it was all hammer horror films. So they were all London, basically, produced. You know, mm -hmm. like the, the studios that they used a lot of were like the same studios they shot like a lot of Star Wars stuff in. Because at that time, you know, like now, I, I guess now, it's still the case where it's cheap to make movies in Australia, so they shoot a bunch of crap over there and everything. Like when I was a kid growing up, you know, Star Wars and all that stuff, that was all shot at Shepherding Studios. So that was all London stuff. Like the Superman movies were all, a lot of that stuff, you know, probably the Fortress of Solitude and all that shit was built in London, you know? But like, I, I guess we, you know, I, I think of it in that way. Like, like I, it, to me, it's interesting because I'm like, did, did anybody, I don't know, was it, did anybody care, like, in terms of things well, like sure that, I'm sure there probably weird... were some people that were that much into it. I mean, I wasn't that sophisticated as far as as uh, you know the production companies and things like that. I didn't really pay much attention to that. I paid attention to what the actor's name was, mm. or, or you know whether or not 
I like the the, the flick. Right, you know, right. Or not. It, you know, what mattered to me was is could I escape and get into the movie and right, take right. me away? Because uh, to me, movies was escapism big time. And that might be a flaw in my character, but you know, as a child, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I, you know, my childhood wasn't that great. But being able to go to the movies and escape it yeah. was great. It was like, and then a lot of the movies you could, you know, put yourself into a character. It made the escape even better because then you could dream about movies made people dream more than anything. I think that, or at least for me, I don't want to talk for everybody, but I think this is probably true for a lot of people. You could dream about, you know, doing things that, you know, your future or how you could be a, a pilot or how you could be a cop or a fireman. Mm -hmm. Or something, you know, you could place yourself into that role. You know, there, there's escape and then there's dream movies, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then the other thing, too, was seeing things that you didn't particularly, you know, where other people had that you might not have, like a really fancy car. Seeing that in the movies, like, like the change. You, you live vicariously through. Yeah, James yeah, Bond, live vicariously right through the movies. Aston Martin I mean, and all that stuff. Yeah, that like a James Bond, Aston Martin, or, you know, the Corvettes sometimes, are, you know. Or like maybe Steve McQueen. Yeah, or like James or Dean and the Hot Rod. You know, we, we like the James Dean movies, of course, because, you know, you know that, that level. The Blackboard black Jungle. Remember Sidney Poitier? And you are now listening to Rock Around the Clock. This is the theme music from MGM's sensational new picture, Blackboard Jungle. Many people said the story could not, must not, dared not be shown. The picture already has the movie and book world gasping. Blackboard Jungle deals with an explosive subject, the teenage terror in the schools. It is the frankest, the toughest, the most realistic film since On the Waterfront. It is fiction, but fiction torn from big city modern savagery. It packs a brass knuckle punch in its startling revelation of those teenage savages who turned big city schools into a clawing jungle. Blackboard Jungle will be the talk of this town. Don't miss it. So I doubted you. I was like one of the bad kids in your class. Somebody told me a lie, and I believed that lie. 
One's as bad as the other. So I want to tell you something. I was wrong about something else, too. Look, you see, this is my classroom, and you're in it. And what I could teach you, first lesson is don't put in. Don't, because you just flunk out for good. <laughs> He was the one that got killed in the Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, Elizabeth Shue, right? No, no, no. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee and Vic Morrow are the names father and son are trying to come up with. Uh, yeah. Elizabeth Shue is, is um, a famous actress's mother. Oh, her mother. Yeah, her mother. Oh. But the one I'm talking about is the one... Remember the... The guy that was with the two little kids and got killed in the video. Yeah, yeah, that that's her that's that's her dad, isn't no, it? No, it's, it's oh, no, 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 Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee, right? Lee, that's that's sorry, I'm getting yeah, confused. Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her father's not named Lee or No, 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 no. It's um Yeah, I he was the yeah, the yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, was, he he was in combat. Combat, yeah. 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 Yeah, it was all big on combat. Yeah. Yeah. He was the Sergeant Saunders. Yeah. How can I remember that in his name? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you know, there were so many movies that, uh, you know, the different genres that, you know, in those days, anything that kind of was different or a anything, it didn't matter. I mean, there was no such thing to us as a bad movie. I mean, we weren't we weren't that sophisticated, you know. I mean, I'm sure you could look back. I could look back on some of these movies that I saw and said, "How did I sit through that?" But you know, I'm I'm 71 years old now, and and, and the difference in what you see from a five to ten year old right, is right. a hell of a lot different <laughs> right. than somebody that's lived 71 years. But I mean, it's to, especially for us, I mean, it went from everything being black and white to being color, which was a big, big change. You know, we lived through that. Just like we lived through, we had, you know, rotary phones yeah. that you could take a, a bobby pin and shove into it and electrically start it, get a dial tone, not have to pay. We knew how to do all that stuff, and, and they don't have any of that anymore, you know what I mean? Everything else, and uh, like, like I thought, you know, when I was telling people when I was in the semiconductor industry, one day we'll all have phones and they'll all be computers. And people used to look at them, yeah, right. They couldn't believe that, you know. And now if I see those people, they go, wow, you were ahead of your time. Oh, I was working <laughs> in the field at the time. I kind of knew what was going to happen. Prepare to receive cargo. Kenner's Slave One comes with frozen Han Solo. Is Han Solo completely frozen Stormtrooper? Yes, Boba Fett. Action figures each sold separately. Place them in the prisoner retention unit. Slave One has a rear loading ramp. Prepare for takeoff. Check. Movable cannons and gravity-operated wings that trigger lock. Oh, the Slave One with frozen Han Solo from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. 
if I if I shift gears for a second, this is me wanting to get into the whole, you know, toy collector or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I I would have thoughts where I'd be like, man, why is it so hard for me to find stuff? But you know, thinking about you telling me stories about, you know, how you had to like make deals and swap and trade guys to get the right guys and all that kind of stuff. Like when you're trying to get like Star Wars figures for me as a kid, oh. like I, I, until you told me those stories, I don't think I had any, to me, I, I, I was thinking, oh, it's just hard for me now, but I didn't have any concept oh, of how man, hard it was. Oh man, you could have seen what I went through. Yeah. Let me tell you that, I remember there was some Star Wars figures. I don't even remember. I think it was Boba Fett or I don't remember who the hell it was at the time. But you were on a rampage just like you was when you were in Maui and we had to go all the way across the freaking island to a comic book store. The only one on the whole island, but actually in the story, but with this figure, your mother tells me, oh, he's got to have this figure for Christmas. And I'm going... Well, I said, well, I went to all the stores. They don't have the damn thing. I says, I, I says, now I'm talking to one of the, my sales guys in Florida. And I says, he's going to go out and see if he can buy one in Florida and then mail it to me. So then I got, I said, well, I was just talking to him. So I started calling sales guys that I knew all over the freaking country. Asking them if they could go out and get one. And I'm trying to get one myself. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could get one. Well, that didn't go work. As it turned out, nobody could put their hands on this damn thing. And then I'm trying to remember if we actually ended up getting you one or not. I just remember you telling me stories about how you guys would set up like swap type things where you'd buy some stuff that you could get probably out oh, here and they bought yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, that, that, that was one well that's a, that one time maybe it's the same time. I made a deal. The guy says if you can get this and this, I'll send you that. And I go, okay, let me go find out. And I find I actually got the two and we made the swap. So yeah, that might have been the same time time. I don't you know I remember here I was supposed to be working on quality issues <laughs> and I'm on the phone talking to people all the way all over the United States trying to get Star Wars figures you know I, and all I, these guys got into it that's what got me there's not there's not that many in that old Kenner line like 96 I'm sure if I started rattling off names you probably remember something yeah. like you know who Boba Fett is but what, what do you remember what it was was it like a cantina guy like Snaggletooth or Greedo or Tuscan Raiders or anything like that, or was it if it was Empire Strikes Back, then it would have been like bounty hunters like Dengar and Zuckus and I'm trying to think of other guys. That I don't know. Out. I had a list. I had, <laughs> you you gave us a list, and um, you were very emphatic about it. <laughs> this is the guys I want you. When your mother comes to me, and says, "Well, he made a list." I said, "He made a list? Yeah, this is what he wants." So I said, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I said, is there anything else that's a little heart desires? Can't you, can't you wait till after Christmas? That, that's mostly how you figured out, like, what I would have wanted, like, through lists or things like that? Like, Oh, no, you, yeah. Or I, I drop hints or what? No, she had told you, she told, you know, you would drop hints left and right. And finally she'd say, 
to keep you busy, go make a list of the ones you want because I won't remember the names and I'll give them to your father. Mm. And, and he'll go out and try to see if he can find them. So she hands me the list and says, this is it. I go, all of these? She says, well, anything you can get. <laughs> so I went out and I found three or four of them locally mm -hmm. in different stores. But there were two or three that I couldn't find. And I, I don't remember if it was actually a figure or it was a spaceship. Wasn't it the Millennium Falcon? I can't yeah. remember. There's the Falcon, like X-Wing Fighter, TIE Fighters. It was something, something like, like that. that. Star Destroyers. I yeah, it was something like that. But anyway, I think I finally got it, actually. I remember, I remember when I was driving around with Uncle Peter, and there was this thing where I think... I'm trying to remember if it was the Atari or the ad, -Ad but I all I remember about it was that the, the gag was they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to give you a... A bag of painted rocks or something like I think you and him were like we're gonna you're getting a bag of painted rocks for your birthday and I was like oh man this is gonna blow bag of painted <laughs> rocks like what and then I think you guys like busted out of the like garage door or whatever and it's like eh, you know Atari like all this cool stuff you know yeah. but but I, I remember at the time like you get oh yeah it's just gonna be a bag of painted rocks and, and we, I was like what that's because that's <laughs> we had what you wanted so we decided to <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna mess with me yeah. I, no, 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 I remember yeah. that that's what you wanted right painted rocks right? pet yeah. rocks pet rocks yeah pet painted rocks in the world of the Transformers, nothing is what it seems. Meet the Constructicon, six evil robots that transform into one mechanical giant. Transformers, more than meets the eye. The Transformers, robots in disguise. It's Devastator, six Constructicons in one. Each sold separately. Devastator's attacking. The Transformers sold separately from Hasbro. I remember like Easter. I remember you guys got me the the Transformers. Like there were these six guys that were construction vehicles. They're called the Constructicons, and I think I had one of them. And then I think you guys got me like the other five or whatever. And then that was you know when you were saying like you were gonna you know, shoot the Easter Bunny if you showed up at the house or whatever, and I freaked out about you know don't yeah. shoot the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Uh, what was my favorite song? Shoot Easter Rabbit, hooray! <laughs> Kill Easter Rabbit, hooray! And you get all, all panicky. Does he mean? The most bad way to. Oh, you know what? What comes around goes around. You, 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 you made all this pressure for me to go buy this stuff, to find this stuff, and I decided. Every once in a while, then I had to get back at it. <laughs> Your mother used to say, you're terrible. I said, ah. I was, I'll tell you what terrible is, is having to drive all the way across Maui just to go to a comic book store. I'm bored. You, uh, not only that, there was one time when I took you all the way to Santa Clara to a toy store. But I couldn't remember if it was on El Camino Real or some other street, Stevens Creek Boulevard, I think it was. So I'm trying to find the place, and you're going, you're not taking me. <laughs> you're doing this on purpose. I'm going, ah, I'm trying to find the place. Why aren't we there yet? 
And uh, you were going through hysterics. And I'm going, Jesus. I, finally, I, I says, don't worry. I says, I'm not taking your arm. I says, we're going to find it. I said, I just don't remember. You know where it's at. And I'm going, I'm, I'm seriously not. Uh, you know, it's not like I have this locked into my memory banks. There was no GPS in those days. So finally I see it and I go, thank God. <laughs> and we go into the store. And they don't have what you want anyway, but you found six other things you want. <laughs> well, they don't have what I want, but they got this. <laughs> I said, well, which one do you want? I want them all. Oh, holy shit. You want them all? I said, all right. I get them all just out of self-defense <laughs> so you don't cry all the way home. What a brat. Like, that's the way it was. And you were a spoiled child. You're the only child spoiled rotten. You wanted this, you wanted that. Why can't you got it? Oh, I was cracking up. The best part about it, though, is once you got your stuff, you would go into your room for hours. And then talk about escape. You would be gone for hours. We would, your mother had to go in and check on you to see if you're still alive. You think he's okay? I said, he's in there doing something with those figures. Don't worry about it. And she'd go in there and she says, yeah, you're right. He's in there going, pow, pow, pow. He's doing all kinds of stuff. I said, yeah, he loves that shit. But the thing that used to crack me up is when you and Robert used to get all dressed up in your costumes and go out on the deck. And do plays or whatever your skits on, on it, man. You'd be Luke Skywalker and he'd be Darth Vader. And, holy cow, man. I, sometimes I hear noises and I go out to see if anybody's killing anybody. That was something else to be home. I used to love Halloween, though, because you get dressed up in a different character every year and it would always be something that. I'd say, I'd go, wow, that's a pretty cool costume we got there, buddy. I had fun doing that. Yeah. We kind of got off on a tangent here. But yeah. But, um, oh, no, that's that's the idea. But movies, yeah, movies, uh, I think, is the best part of it. I mean, you know what it was? Is movies were American. For the longest time, American movies were done, you know. They made movies, yeah, they made movies in England. They made movies in other countries, but nothing compared to American movies. American cinema with the cowboys and the Indians and war pictures and, and you know, the murder mysteries. I mean, they had all that uh, noir stuff, too. Yeah. You know, Robert Mitchum and whole cast of people where they were detectives and they were Great movies. Tyrone Power is one of my favorites. He used to, he did Zorro. Yeah. That was the best one. Man. I mean, I really loved the Tyrone Power Zorro stuff. And then the Lone Ranger. That was really good. Of course, that was a TV series. Oh, they, they made, they turned a couple of them into movies. Yeah. But yeah. And I think Johnny Depp did it. Yeah, yeah that was smoke. That was pretty terrible. Yeah, that was pretty awful. For a guy who's as talented as he is getting dressed up in costumes, well, he really helped this pirate thing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they stick a dump truck full of money in his house every time they want to make another one. Uh, yeah, well, they have to. He doesn't know how to hold on to it. Yeah.
Yeah, that beautiful blonde is a girlfriend and we'll beat her up and chase her away. She's gonna be Aquaman's wife. Oh really? In the movie? She's playing Mare. Yeah? She looks she looks really good actually. Yes. I mean she looks just like her. What's her name again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Try to think that. She was the one in Drive Angry. Yeah, um, she's gorgeous. I love that movie, Drive Angry. I, I, I kind of like, even though he's kind of a, a weirdo, I like all the movies that he's made. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. I don't know. A lot of people don't like him, but I kind of like him. Even though he's always Nicolas Cage, but you know. Yeah. It's kind of like Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is Robert De Niro. In all his movies. Well, yeah, but John Wayne was John Wayne in yeah, all of his John movies, Wayne too. And, and, and Al Pacino, right, right. Robert Mitchum, they were always the same person, different, different name. Different. Right, right. But, uh, a lot of people make a career on just being the, the personality, being right? Yeah, whatever. I think I think Chris Pine's probably a good example of that now. Mm. I mean, I usually enjoy what he does. But yeah. It's not like he's going to, you know, I don't know, do some kind of groundbreaking character thing. You know, yeah. He's just, you know, he's, he's a funny, charming, good-looking guy that, mm -hmm. you know, shows up as Captain Kirk or Steve Trevor or whoever he is, and yeah. they're like, hey, I like that guy. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, some people have a knack of pulling that off. Sworn enemy of the turtle. It feels so good to be so bad. With his henchmen, the dreaded foot soldiers, the mutants Bebop and Rocksteady. What do I do with them? Destroy them! Oh, what turtle soup? What about that time we went down to Stanford? I don't even remember what it was, but I remember you helped me find Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. Because that was what you said you felt bad about the, the birthday party thing. Oh, yeah, that was when I left the key in the trunk of the car and they stole all the presents. Because they, it was, we were at an ice skating rink in Hayward. We went to somebody else's birthday party. No, no, it was mine. Was it yours? Yeah, it was like, I remember I was trying to really, like, it was like, I don't know if I was 13 or 14. I was trying really hard to do, like, because, you know, like how when, I don't know, maybe not everybody knows, but, but, like, I remember most parties from like 12 and under, it was mostly guys, you know what I mean? And, and it was toys and things like that. But I think that was like one of the first parties where it was like, oh, I'm going to invite like girls to this party and I'm going to, you know, try to, you know, get, you know, a guy girl ratio going and all that kind of stuff. And I remember to me, that was like a big deal. And then, and then, it, so it was like, well, where is this going to be? It's like, well, we can't just have it at a house, like, because girls are coming, you know? Like, so I remember it was at, like, an ice skating rink. No, it was a roller skating Or a roller skating rink, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, had, I, had, a, I had a good time. The only thing that was a bummer was is that uh, they stole the car. Yeah. And uh, took your birthday presents. The ironic well, part is, is they, under, they, under a blanket was your mother's purse with the money and wallet and everything. They didn't take that. They didn't take that. They didn't they, see it. But they took all the, they, they the took presents. The, they the took all the birthday presents. <laughs> Fucking creeps.
they left the car three blocks away and the cops found it in a matter of like 15 minutes. Drove me down to the car, I got in and went back and then you were in the back and oh my birthday presents are gone and I felt so bad. I said, look, here's a hundred dollars. Let's just go and find whatever you want. You don't have to have the same presents. You can get whatever you want. Really? I can get whatever I want? Because you didn't even replace some of the presents you right, had. Right. You went and bought other stuff. Yeah. You went hog wild when you knew you had a hundred bucks. <laughs> you went and bought all kinds of stuff. You got better stuff out of the deal than what you got as presents from people. Yeah. Yeah. Your mother said, oh, he's happy now. No, I, I remember that because that was when I was looking for all those those Playmates, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures. And, and I, I remember I was having a really hard time finding them anywhere locally but to well i guess it was still local but to me you taking me to stanford was like i don't come here all the time you know what i mean like i didn't always go out there all the time mm -hmm. and i i'm guessing it was some kind of walgreens or something some, some kind of store that was in that that strip of shops and i'm sure it's i'm yeah, sure it's not there anymore I but remember what it was. but but i remember going in there and just going oh man they, they pretty much had like every, you know, they had everything that I couldn't find, you know, pretty much. So it was like, I, I remember, and that like was a windfall. Well, and, and that was kind of back in that era where like you were getting trained about, you know, getting duplicates of things, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, one to keep in the package and one to take out of the package and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so that's what that I think turned into. Do you remember ever going to any of the, the, the wonder cons in Oakland? Like I remember, you guys took me to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that. yeah, because because like that was to me an eye opener too. Because I used to love those those superpowers toys. Because yeah, you yeah. you you bought those for me when I was a kid. But by the time we went to WonderCon, I think it was like eighty eight, eighty nine, like around there. And by then, all those toys were discontinued. But that was one of the first times I noticed you know, what people keep these and you can still buy them. Like, it was like, what? You know, like, it was like this kind of shocking thing to me. Yeah, we took you to a lot of different yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't remember them per se. I remember going and you finding stuff and us hanging out for right. a couple hours. And right. then... I remember, you know what I remember about that too, though, was I, I don't remember if it was WonderCon or not, but I remember when Valiant Comics came out and remember how like you you bought some of that Marvel stock, like back when they they actually went public and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So I I used to you used to give me all the little, you know, comic book style newsletters that yeah, they would yeah, send yeah, to you yeah. because you bought that stock. But I I remember you asking Jim Shooter if Valiant was gonna go public, or at least you didn't ask. You asked me to ask him, you know, and like that kind of thing. And of course they were an independent company and they. They kind of poo-pooed the whole, you know, oh, no, we're not going to, and they never did. But, you know, that that wasn't something they were going to do. But the, I, I remember stuff like that. Yeah, actually, I made a few dollars off of Marvel. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and then I sold it just before it started to go down. Yeah. I remember, I think I bought a couple thousand shares and I don't know I was trying to make the money back that I spent on Right, right, right. I think I did. Yeah. I recall. I think I was pretty well satisfied with the stock. Then it started going down for some reason. 
probably because it was it, it was probably the mid '90s because that's when the comic market kind of crashed. crashed pretty much because because there, there, there were there were tons of speculators where I saw it come come down and I said I'm getting rid of it and I sold it the day it started because it was always climbing mm-hmm. first day I saw it start pulling I decided to get out of it so I get my money and run yeah. And that's about the time the power came back on. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. If you want to hear more, let us know. And, of course, you can listen to us over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, please send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are, of course, on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We appreciate all the likes and feedback, shares, retweets on all the various social media that we're involved in. We are, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy? She'll beat you if she's able. So